Amen, amen. I want to speak today about the name of Jesus. Speak today about the name of Jesus. You know, perhaps the most noted verse in the Bible and is John 3.16. The book of John, before I dive into this, is very powerful. If you want to teach a Bible study to someone, you're not sure where to go and you've never done it before, first of all, make sure you have understanding of what you're teaching. If you don't have understanding, that's when you should reach out to someone with understanding. But the book of John is a very powerful book to do a Bible study with because it covers just about everything that you need when it comes to the fundamental doctrine of Jesus Christ. It covers that there's only one Lord. When you read John, you will not come out with two gods. When you read John, you will not come out with three gods. When you read the very first chapter of John, the first 14 verses of John, you will come out with one God. Amen. So John, the book of John, starting at verse number one, it will let you know that in the beginning was the word. Word was with God. Word was God. Which does not contradict Genesis 1-1. In the beginning was God. Because God and his word are one and the same. Everything came in existence through the word of God. What God says happens. If God says it, it's going to happen. And that means even if you disagree with it, it's still going to happen. So what God says is not for up for, up for debate. It's not up for conversations. It's not up to your opinion. But the only thing that matters is the wisdom of God. And so when you read the book of John, and I challenge you, if you haven't read that book in a while, because uh, according to our chronological Bible reading, we should be, I think, finishing up Ezekiel. Uh, and so if you haven't read the book of John in a while, go back and read the book of John. And you will find where there's one Lord. You'll find where he gives instructions on the purpose of Jesus Christ, that he came to die on the cross for our sins, that we may have an opportunity to have life. John really covers a lot of subjects, and John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We hear this verse of Scripture quoted often. In a lot of denominal churches, they will use this verse as salvation. Can I teach here today? They will use this verse as salvation, saying that the scripture says God loves you so much that he gave and that if you just believe, you will have everlasting life. You don't have to do anything else, but if you believe, you have everlasting life. Well, there's a lot of things wrong with that thinking and that philosophy. 
One of the things that's wrong with that thinking is, is that you should never read one chapter and never just take one verse and call it doctrine without reading everything else to make sure it harmonizes. Because it is the same John, the same book, not a different book, where Jesus says you must be born of water and of the spirit. Matter of fact, it's in the same chapter. Isn't it amazing how we can read through things and then we come to a, to a specific verse and then we use that and say, here's salvation right here. When Jesus told Nicodemus, black and white, you must be born again of water and of the spirit, or he says, you will not enter into the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Black and white. Jesus says it right there. But yet we have preachers and teachers in churches and on street corners saying all you must do is believe. What's interesting is, is that here in this verse we see the word believeth. Everyone say believeth. Anytime you see E-T-H on the end of a word, it means continual. It means continual. So that right there shuts the mouth of the people that say all you have to do is believe and salvation comes. Because the very verse itself, come on, put that scripture back up there, please, John 3, 16. The very verse itself doesn't even say that. The very verse itself says that whosoever believeth, someone say continual. So it takes continual belief, continual belief in order to have everlasting life. You know what else that trumps in our denominal world and people that teach and preach? Eternal salvation. Because the scripture says you must continue to believe. That means if you believe today but stop believing tomorrow, you won't have everlasting life. Are you with me, church? Mm -hmm. So our belief must be continual. What I believe today, I must believe tomorrow. And I must believe next week. And I must trust in him the same today as I should next year. It's a continual thing. And as your faith and your belief continues, your faith continues to build and stay strong in him. Amen. Amen. We discussed in our noonday Bible class and put emphasis on the foundational doctrine of one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, it is in that order on purpose. Because in order for you to have one faith and one baptism, you must understand one Lord. Because once you have hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Once we have that understanding that there's only one Lord, then we must have one faith in that one Lord. So we have one faith in the one Lord that we believe if 
in. So no matter what takes place in my life, my faith remains the same because the one Lord remains the same. The scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if my one Lord is the same, my one faith should be the same. And if I know that there's one Lord and that I have one faith in that Lord, there cannot be multiple baptisms. But there only could be one baptism, and now I understand that that one baptism is in that one Lord. And my God has a name, and his name is Jesus. So that's why we baptize in the name of the one Lord. Because when I go down, I go down with faith in that name of that one Lord. Amen? So the scripture says in John 3, 16, I'm going to take my time tonight. Is this okay? I'm not going to keep you here forever, all right? But we're, we're going to go through this. The scripture says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth continual in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now notice the word perish. Hosea 4, verse 6 says, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. The scripture says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Perishment starts before death. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay, we're in the shallow end. Let's step out into a little deeper water. Perishment starts before death. When we read the scripture, we think of, it says, it shall not, we should not perish, but we'll have everlasting life. We won't have death, but we'll live with him forever. We won't have damnation, but we'll be in heavenly places with him. Perishment starts before death. Backsliding doesn't happen overnight. Backsliding happens gradually. Perishment starts before death. You if, you, if we stop believing in the one Lord, we are perishing. All right? He that believeth, he that will not stop believing, you won't perish. Every day is a brand new day. Every day I must continue to believe and trust in him. Believe and acknowledge him. Every, I can't live off yesterday's faith. I must wake up on today. Give me this day, Lord, my daily bread. If my mercy and my grace is new, then my word and understanding and knowledge must continue to grow and my belief must continue to grow in him so that I will not perish. Amen? So that's why your belief must be continual. Right? 
so that we will not perish but have everlasting life. Then Jesus made it clear that salvation is based on continued belief in his name. John 3.18 says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed. Do y'all see the difference here? He says, let's go back up to the top. He that believeth, continues to believe, is not condemned because there's a constant renewing of who he is and who you are in him. You're not condemned. But if you stop continuing to believe, you're condemned already. Why? Because you're starting to perish. Because he hath not believed. You never started believing. You stopped believing. You didn't believe in the name of the only begotten son. You stopped believing in Jesus. You see that? It says, because he have not believed in the Father. He have not believed in some other title. No, in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What's the name? The name is Jesus. So we must always continue to believe in the name. And when you continue to believe in that name, that means you continue to believe everything about the name. Uh-huh. See, some of us claim that we believe in the name, but we aren't reaping the benefits of everything about the name because we only believe the parts of the Bible that we do. Yes. Let's go to, let's go to verse number 22. After preaching about water baptism in his name, Jesus tarried with them and baptized. The Bible says, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And baptized. So not only continual belief is important, but also baptism is important. John chapter 20, verse number 30 and 31 it says, in many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. And the purpose of the writing is, the scripture says it, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. So everything wasn't recorded in the book, but the things that were recorded were only recorded for the purpose that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. <laughs> they were only recorded for a purpose. Otherwise, they would have been left out the book. But they were recorded so that you might believe that he is who he says he is. You know, oftentimes the Lord would do things for you despite your unbelief just to let you know and remind you I am who I said I am. God will open up a door for you, make a way for you, even heal your body, despite your belief, just to remind you and let you know I'm still God. I still sit on the throne. 
and I'm still able to do all things. <laughs> yes, he will. Yes, he will. There's been doors opened up for many of you, even myself. I was like, I was shocked it was open. I was shocked it happened. I was shocked I got the call. That's just Jesus letting you know that I'm the Christ. I want to dwell on this for a moment, that Jesus is the Christ. We see that plain in Scripture, okay? Christ is not Jesus' name. His name is Jesus. All right? I want to bring this point out, and I want this church to understand this and all those that are watching. Christ is not his name. Christ is the title. Christ is the position. Christ is the anointed one. All right? That's why when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? He says, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets, some say Elijah. You know, but who do you say that I am? Jesus said, thou or you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. Okay? So this is important. Why is this is important? Because we have a lot of churches and a lot of people that will pray in the name of Christ. That's not his name, church. That's not his name. They will say, in Christ's name we pray. No, 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 no. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Scripture says everything you do in word and in deed, you do it in the name. That's what the scripture says. Everything we do in word and in deed, you don't do it in his title. You don't do it in his calling. You don't do it in his purpose. You do it in his name. So when we pray over our food, when we pray over our children, when we pray anywhere, we don't say in Christ's name we pray. No, we say in Jesus' name. Okay? This is very important because a lot of your children and children's children are being taught to pray in Christ's name because they hear it in schools. They hear it at ball games. They hear it everywhere because people don't say the name Jesus. That's why Jesus said, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake because people don't say the name of Jesus. All right? So if I, I use this example, and oftentimes we use this example when we're talking about baptism. You know, we don't put Father, Son, Holy Ghost on a check. It wouldn't be able to cash it. His name is Jesus. It's the same way if you was to put Christ on that, on that check. If you put Christ and Jesus took the check to the bank and then he pulled out his wallet, showed his driver's license. Oh, y'all ain't with me, are you? That's right. His, his driver's license would say Jesus. It wouldn't say Christ. Jesus wouldn't be able to cast a check. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Can't get money at the bank because they wrote the wrong name on the check. Jesus Christ, Pastor Eddie Robinson. I can't put pastor on the check. Won't be able to cash it. I have to put my name on that check. Eddie Robinson. Are you with me, church? This is important stuff because people are saying this over and over, and I know some of you have heard it, but we have to make sure that we're teaching ourselves and our household what's right because we will allow simple things like that just to pass. Uh -huh. 
and think, oh, ain't nothing wrong with that. No, there's something strongly wrong with that. If you can't say the name of Jesus, there's a problem. If you can't pray and say Jesus, there's a problem. If you're in a school district or a church and they can't say Jesus, that's a problem. That's a problem. And their thinking just by saying Christ, it smooths everything over. No, 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 no. No, no. Uh -uh. Can I move on? But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1, the very first use in the Bible, we see here the English word Jesus. This is when Jesus is used for the first time in the Bible. For all you fact checkers out there that's checking me, check me later. Just trust me right now. Matthew 1.1 is where you see Jesus for the first time, the English word Jesus. This word is translated from the Greek word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but I have slides to let you know what that word is because I don't consider myself a fluent Greek reader, writer, or educator. Did I cover all my bases? So, this is Jesus in the Greek. I-N, that third letter is a, the, uh, the letter sigma, O, and then U. Let's get ready to put that slide back up. Let's go to Revelation chapter 13, verse number 18. Because numerous Bible scholars believe the highest level of studying Scriptures is to study the numbers and consider how the words of John in the Revelations 13, 18 confirm that. It says, here is wisdom. Let him that have understanding count the number of the beasts. Him that have understanding count the number of the beasts, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and 6666. You can speak to many believers and non-believers, and people know what 666 stands for. You can walk up to a random person in any grocery store, street corner, anything, and you say, matter of fact, people don't even like their address if it's 666. When you're driving down the road and your odometer hits 666, you hurry up and try to get to 7. You see 1,665, you're like, oh, Lord, I'm about to hit 666. Like the car is just going to break down. That's what y'all be thinking. I know y'all do. They hit that 666, all of a sudden you're making sure your seat belt's on. You see, you ready for a check engine light to come on. It's a number. It's a number. Don't let it spook you out, all right? You done prayed. You done got up and worshiped. You done got up and, 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 and thanked the Lord. And now you're worried about your odometer. <laughs> I know I'm telling the truth. Y'all circle the block. You about to pull into your driveway. Oh, I can't pull into my driveway with 666 on my odometer. I can't go to sleep and wake up to 666. So let me circle around the block a few times until I, 
get that seven up there, I can feel better about myself. See, I know I'm telling the truth. I know I'm telling the truth. But Christians and non-Christians understand Numbers 666. The same we can do with any name and word in the Bible, since the Old Testament Hebrew letters and New Testament Greek letters are also their numbers. All right? So let's go ahead and go back to that slide there. So now let's allow God himself to, re to show us a few things, to reveal that his name, Jesus, I'm going to show you how Jesus in the Greek numerically equals Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in the Greek numerically. So if we was to take each letter, the I equals 10, the N equals 8, the sigma equals 200, the O equals 70, and the U equals 400. So according to Matthew 1.1, why do I keep saying according to Matthew 1.1? Because it is in Matthew 1.1 where the first English word Jesus is mentioned in the Bible. And when you are studying words, it's important to oftentimes go to the original place in the word where it's mentioned for the first time. All right? So if you come across a word that's in the New Testament or somewhere towards the back of the book or anywhere in the Bible, look up to see when that word was mentioned for the first time. And how was it used in the Greek and in the Hebrew for the first time? So this is what we find with Jesus for the first time in the Bible, how you spell it and what the equivalent numeric numbers are according to the Greek. And once you add all these numbers up, According to Matthew 1 and 1, 10 plus 8 plus 200 plus 70 plus 400, it equals 688. All right? So now let's look at the Father. If we look at the Father, once again, I am not someone that professes to be able to read the Hebrew or the Greek fluently. But each letter, each letter, that is here, okay? These three are what equals up to these numbers, not here. This is the Greek, this is the Hebrew. Are you with me? That's the Greek, that's the Hebrew. So each one of those have a representation numerically. So that's five, one, and two, according to what the father is in Hebrew. That equals eight. Let's go to the son. The son is the same. There's three different ones. I'm going to have to invest in a pointer, praise God. Three different ones, that equals up to 5, 2, and 50 in the Hebrew, which equals 57. So now if we go to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, and here we have here two different break, breakdowns because we have Holy Ghost. So this first one here, which is four different numbers, all right, right here, 1, 2, 3, 4. These, 1, 2, and 3, 1, 2, this is all one letter or word right here, okay? This is represents one right here. So one, two, and three. So that re is represented in that parenthesis right there. So you see all the numbers there when it comes to Holy Ghost, that equals up to 623. So now when we put all of them together, the Father, which is eight, the Son, 57, the Holy Ghost, 623, you see that all of them add up numerically 
to the exact same word or name as Jesus, which is 688. So what we just did was we just took the one name, Jesus, in the Hebrew and added up the numbers numerically in the Hebrew Jesus to 688, took all the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that are used in Matthew 28, 19, took all those titles, added up those in the Hebrew, and the one name Jesus is equivalent to the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The amazing thing is, is that so even when you do math, Matthew 28, 19 adds up to Jesus' name. It's all about, somebody say Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Even numerically, no matter what way you chop it, slice it, whatever the case may be, it will be equivalent to Jesus. That's why I say it's important that we use the name of Jesus. When you baptize in the name of Jesus, you are baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost because that name is Jesus. But when you omit the name and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, you are not baptizing in the name of Jesus. There is a difference. There's a difference. All right? You must use and say and apply the name. Amen? You must use, say, and apply the name. When you omit the name, you are omitting the power. When you omit the name, you are omitting forgiveness. When you omit the name, you are omitting remission. When you omit the name. When you are baptized in titles, you went down a sinner, you came up a sinner. You, there was no change. There was no remission of sins. You just went down, you came up wet. That's it. Same sin still on your life. But when you go down in the name that has power... The scripture says the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be, not might be, must be saved. When you apply the name, now you went down and came up, removed, washed, cleansed from your sin. You just didn't come up wet. Because if you use any other name, you may have been dry going in, but you still wet and the same coming out. You can have a smile on your face and high five your friends and say, I feel good. You can feel as good as you want. You still got sin on your life. But when the name is applied, the sin is removed from your life. Amen? That's why we must use the name. Church, you're going to hear this a whole lot more from me. 
Because in this day, I'm telling you, there's going to be a fight against the name. But it's the name that's kept us. It's the name that will sustain us. Amen. That's right. Uh -huh. People come to this church because of the name. Of the name. That's what it is. And people will remain here because of the name. It's the name of Jesus. Can I teach one more thing? Is this good so far? Amen. All right. I got about 67% of you. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. Praise God. Let's look at this. God is so good. I, I, I love his word. I love it. I, I love reading it. I love studying it. I love it. There's so much in it. So much. The Bible says, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. Knowest the E-T-H. What does that mean? Continual. Continuance. It's a continual thing. Amen. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. All right? Let's look at this. Everything that we know of the Lord is through revelation. All right? Why do you think everything was created, Brother Brandon? It's to bring about revelation of who the Father is. Everything. Heaven, earth, creature, mankind created for revelation. That's it. If there was no creation, there would be no revelation. That's it. You wonder why you fall into situations in your life? It's because situations are only created to bring about revelation. That's it. When you fall into different things, when I say fall, I'm not talking about falling into temptation because you are tempted by your own lust. <laughs> That's Bible. All right. Don't get mad at the preacher. I'm just a messenger. When you, when you find yourself in situations and you're wondering, what, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to get out of this? Oh, that's a great opportunity for Jesus. Because when you find yourself in situations, it's to bring about greater revelation. So oftentimes God will allow you to go into something knowing that he's going to pull you out of it. But it's through that test, it's through that trial that you can look back and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. We wouldn't know God like you know God if it wasn't through the test and trials that you've been through. But it's because of the things that you've had to go through, you can see that was God. I wouldn't be where I am. That was God. I shouldn't be here right now. That was God. Should be dead and gone. This, that, this, that was God. 
My children didn't deserve to make it out that situation. That was God. Amen. Because situations bring about revelation. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, all things are delivered. The scripture, Matthew eleven twenty-seven. 27. All things are delivered unto me of my father. Man, I, so many things are coming to my mind. All things are delivered unto me. Jesus is speaking here. Okay? Unto me of my father. That's why Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. Jesus said that. He said, I can do nothing of myself. What is he talking about? Jesus was talking about this flesh. This flesh can do nothing without the spirit. That's when Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. Because it was the spirit of God in him. Amen? He can do nothing of himself. He needed the spirit. But the father neither knoweth any man the father save the son, and he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. The word reveal in the Greek means to take off the cover or to disclose. The word reveal in the Greek means to take off the cover or to disclose. All right? So when Jesus removes his covering of flesh, every eye will recognize he is not just a Lord, but he is the Lord. I'm going to say that one more time. When Jesus removes his covering of flesh, every eye will recognize he is not just a Lord, but he is the Lord. All right? It takes revelation. Our eyes must be open to the fact that Jesus is Lord. Zechariah 12:10 shows this point very clearly. It says, and I, who is speaking here, the Lord is speaking. God himself is speaking here. If you go up to verse number four, you don't have to go there. If you guys just trust me, verse number four says, the Lord said. And the Lord is continuing to say. In verse number 10, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon who? They shall look upon me. Who's talking? The Lord is talking. The Lord said they shall look upon me. Him, me, not my son, not somebody else, not another person in the Godhead, but he said they will look upon me. Whom they have what? Pierced. They shall look upon me. The Lord is talking. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced. That's why I mentioned earlier that Paul said every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's to the glory of God the Father. The angel said, uh, Jesus is Christ the Lord. That's in Luke 2, chapter number 11. The angel said, Jesus is Christ the Lord. In Acts chapter 10, verse number 36, Peter said, he is the Lord of all. He's the Lord of all. In eternity... He is Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, that liveth and was dead, and is alive forevermore. This Jesus is the true God and eternal life. It is this Jesus that is the true God and the eternal life. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord and magnify him. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Church, it is important that we know the God that we serve. And our God has a name. That's why we repent and we be baptized. The scripture says, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because our God has a name. Don't be ashamed of the name. Speak the name. Walk in the name. Proclaim the name. Live by the name. Because it is at his name. If we don't bow now, we will bow later. And I choose to bow to the name right now. Hallelujah. It's important. It's at the name of Jesus. Jesus can set someone free here tonight. Someone can be baptized in his name tonight. Someone can be healed and delivered in that name tonight. Somebody's life can be set free tonight. We don't have to wait till Sunday to baptize you. You don't have to wait till Sunday to receive what God has for you. But God can do it for you tonight. You've heard the word. You've seen examples. The power that's in the name. Even numerically, it's all in the name. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost all add up to the name. You must apply the name of Jesus.